My name is Jeff Young. I'm a Democrat running against Andy Barr because he is an ignorant warmonger and I'm for peace. I put up a billboard that says, abolish the CIA. Why? Because it's the worst terrorist organization in the world today. Ever since the CIA was founded in 1947, it has gotten us into one illegal, immoral war after another. Their so-called intelligence is almost always wrong. The CIA also smuggles addictive drugs like heroin and cocaine into America and profits from the drug trade. The opiate addiction that has plagued Kentucky is not Kentucky's fault. It was inflicted upon us by the CIA. Andy Barr and his entire pro-war party are clear and present threats to America's national security. As a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Barr has voted for sanctions against two countries that have nuclear weapons, Russia and China. Those illegal, counterproductive sanctions have forced Russia and China to become allies. Ever since 1991, NATO has been expanding and Russia has been retreating and retreating and retreating. And Russia cannot retreat anymore. The Russians' backs are against the wall. Russia made a peace proposal to us in December, but the ignorant neocons in Washington, and Barr is one of them, rejected it. A single miscalculation by the U.S. military or the White House could trigger a huge conventional war, followed by a nuclear war that could kill every person on Earth. Vote for peace, not war. Choose life, not death. Vote for Jeff Young in the Democratic primary on May 17th. I'm the only candidate who can beat Andy Barr. Check out my website at youngforkentucky.com. That's Y-O-U-N-G, the number four, K-Y, dot com. My name is Jeff Young, and I approve this message. You're listening to the Space Commune podcast. Today we have on Jeff Young, who just won a Democratic primary for uh, Kentucky's 6th Congressional District. Uh, he won a very close election, and uh, he's in the news right now because the governor of Kentucky, who's a Democrat, uh, Steve Bashir, has said that the Democratic Party is not going to vote blue no matter who uh, in this election for reasons that we're going to find out in this podcast. So I'm Alex. I'm here with my co-host, Fox. And we're talking to Jeff Young today. How's it going, Jeff? Going fine. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we're, we're excited to have you on. You know, it was, it was shocking to hear that you won. and uh, Shocking in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just different and uh, very interesting. And, you know, we, we definitely have a lot of questions um, about... You know, just the, the dynamics about where you are and what led you to get to this point. Um, so why don't you tell us first, just, just your stump speech. If I was just a random person in the sixth congressional district in Kentucky, and I wasn't really, you know, I was a registered voter, but I wasn't really paying attention to what's going on. You know, what would you say to me about why you're running and why I should care? I might start by saying, hi. 
My name is Jeff Young. I'm a Democrat. And unlike Andy Barr, I will never vote to send weapons to Nazis. You like that? That's awesome. <laughs> Nazis are bad. I agree with that. <laughs> Most Americans would say that in general, but it's uh, incredible how powerful the propaganda campaign has been since February 24th. 2022 yeah. all the way through today and it's still going on unbelievable propaganda and it's, it's the worst yeah. i've experienced in my lifetime wow yeah you know it's interesting you're you're a little bit older than us and for you to say that i mean i would say that for myself mm -hmm. but for you to say that you know you've, yeah i you've, lived through 9 11 yeah, I mean, I was pretty young that. for 9-11, but, you know, I still remember a lot of that, uh, you know, support our troops kind of stuff. And, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is, I don't know how many times worse than 9-11-2001, but it's, uh, it's the worst I've ever experienced. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it should make people a little wary, but it, it feels like... Uh, you know, just a couple of years ago, there were congressional resolutions about uh, arming Ukrainians and uh, Ukrainian Nazis, you know, cautioning against that, condemning that uh, mm -hmm. people, people were very uh, anti-Nazi just a few years ago. Uh, but all of a sudden, it, all those concerns seem to have just been thrown away. Yes. Yeah. Anti-Nazi in like heavy air quotes, though, because yeah. I feel like we're dealing with a totally different spectacle at this point where what we saw a few years back, you know, under Trump, where there was the unite the right rally. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, not to say that those guys aren't real Nazis. They like, you know, I, I might say they're not, I don't know. I don't know them well enough to, uh, to be able to say, but Ukraine has the real thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, the threat is, very very real uh when it comes to ukraine so it is mm -hmm. cra it's crazy to see and it seems like especially the the democrat i mean maybe things are different in kentucky and you guys are kind of flipped and you're i don't know are the republicans more like dominant in in uh in kentucky there or are they sort of the dominant party i would say kentucky is a purple state okay pretty much evenly divided between Registered Republicans, registered Democrats, and registered independents. Yeah. We have closed primaries, so only Democrats can vote in yep. the Democratic primaries. We're like the we're the same exact thing in New York. And uh, you know, New York is generally a blue state, but I think it's it's weighted because of New York City. It's like mm -hmm. the rest of the state is pretty purple. But um ah. so yeah, it's it's similar. But what's what I was gonna say is interesting is that it seems like the Democrats are the one that are like, <laughs> they're more uh, supportive of the Ukraine Nazis right now, which is funny because they are, they're the ones who are like calling Trump and uh, you know, everything they're, they're, they, they're the ones who like to call the Republican party uh, fascists and Nazis while supporting, while heavily supporting the, you know, Ukraine Nazis. Right. What, I'd say what, the what, uh, support for the proxy war by the United States against Russia in Ukraine yeah. is totally bipartisan. Equal yeah. support for the sanctions, equal support for more weapons to the Ukrainian government. Um, you know, the $40 billion recent vote, which is a lot of money, 
Yep. Uh, yeah. It passed overwhelmingly, and it passed uh, in both parties. There were 57 Republican members of the House who voted no. Marjorie Taylor Greene was one. She mm -hmm. gave a good speech. You know, why are we sending weapons when, when we have a shortage of baby formula? Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes she nails it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 57 votes against the entire rest of everybody. That they, they, the, no, the no position had no chance of winning. It was overwhelming. Yeah. Both parties. Yeah. And, and I feel like we got away a little bit from what we initially started talking about. So you, you mentioned that you don't support funding Nazis, and that started a huge conversation. Is that kind of how the conversation with voters is going? Is that so far? Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you, I went to a, uh, a uh, just a meeting where, where there were tables, and, and a bunch of candidates had tables. It's a rural county, about two counties away from Fayette. County, which is uh, which has Lexington in it. My district is uh, basically central, edging toward eastern Kentucky, and this was in a couple counties away, rural county. There were about 150 people who came through and talked to the candidates. Uh, about 145 of them were Republicans and five Democrats. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I had talked to everybody, and uh, I would say, hi, my name is Jeff Young. I'm the Democrat who's going to beat Andy Barr. <laughs> and here's my slogan. Unlike Andy Barr, I will never vote to send weapons to Nazis. How do you like it? <laughs> what is the, what's it. the reaction to that? They yeah. got it very yeah. quickly. They knew what I was talking about. You know, if somebody gave me a blank stare, I would say, well, I'm talking about Ukraine. Yeah, and this started problem started in 2014 uh, with the coup and so on, and I was able to talk with almost everybody. Wow, that's awesome! <laughs> so, so they get it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I would say in general, Kentuckians, neither Democrats nor Republicans, want to think about this at all. Yeah, and I keep getting asked by reporters. Uh, how can you run a campaign, the, the main focus of which is foreign policy? That's never been done. You can't do that. How can you possibly win? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so far it's worked pretty well. Well, I mean, it's all kind of connected, right? Because I, I mean, people see that their leaders are all focusing so much attention on Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, even, even if they don't know the geopolitics and the history Mm -hmm. uh, of everything they see so much attention so much money so much support going to this foreign country when things right. are falling apart here so exactly i'm exactly sure, right <laughs> i'm sure they're they're like what the hell why are you neglecting like us you're supposed to be taking care of us first right um, so i'm going to redo my whole website and focus first on the economic impacts of sanctions hmm. u.s sanctions on the American people and the people of Kentucky. I think it's a big factor leading to inflation, fuel prices. Uh, we, we keep sanctioning uh, Russia, Iran, Venezuela, all these oil producing states, and uh, they don't like it. Nobody likes being uh, threatened with regime change. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they're not real happy. They're not willing to uh, export their oil to us when Asia has a tremendous demand. Other places have a high demand for fossil fuels, oil, natural gas. And, uh, you know, well, why should we sell it to you, Washington, mm. if you're sanctioning us all the time? Yeah, right. So, so Jeff, I want to ask a little bit about uh, your journey to get to this point. Um, because I, I feel like, you know, people that have, you know, we reached out to you, we were excited about your campaign because we have similar opinions about a lot of things. And I feel like there are a lot of things that are set up in our American politics or society right now. Uh, they're intended to make people that think like us uh, feel like outcasts, feel like outsiders, feel like we'll never have any real power, mm -hmm. that we can get censored off of everything, we get kicked off every platform. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know this isn't your first rodeo. You, you've run as a Republican before. You've, you've well, run once. For, yeah, once. You've run for several offices. You ran as a Green Party candidate, I think, at one point. Yes. Um, so tell me just a little bit about that that uh, persistence that you had um, over the years, and and what are some of the the things that people have done uh, to try to stop you over the years? Uh, so I moved from Massachusetts to Kentucky forty years ago in nineteen eighty two, and uh, you know did. Uh, got involved in a food co-op and was on the board of that and uh, got a graduate degree in agricultural economics at University of Kentucky, UK. And then uh, I started working for state government and I was in the state energy office uh, promoting energy efficiency and solar in all sectors of Kentucky's economy retired early from that after 15 years rather than the, uh, the standard 20 and became a full-time political activist, anti-war activist mainly, but also yeah. other issues. So in 2012, I had been a member of the Green Party in Kentucky for three years. I decided to make my first run for office against a far right, fundamentalist Christian state representative in uh, Frankfurt, uh, in, you know, my part of my section of Lexington. And uh, I ran against him uh, as a green, uh, didn't get any votes, you know, a couple percent or whatever. And, and uh, there was no Democrat running and there was an independent running. So anyway, uh, but I learned a lot. Uh, each election, I learn more, meet more people. So in 2014, I wanted to run as a Green against Andy Barr, the U.S. representative, Republican, who is yeah. still there. He's the one I'm facing in November. He, he first uh, won in 2012. November. So I, I, I ran, I, I wanted to run against him. The, the Green Party was so tiny uh, and they didn't like my attacking style of campaigning. So I switched back to my lifelong party, Democratic Party in October of 2013. 
And ever since then, well, I've been running every two years, 2014, 16, 18, 2020, I ran as a Republican and this year as a Democrat again. And so my experience with running as a Democrat in 2014, let's just look at the first one. Yep. Uh, my Democratic rival, I had one, uh, was as unknown as I was. Well, two unknowns, but she was a standard establishment type Democrat talking about jobs and, you know, the, the typical Democratic campaign. And I was, uh, I'm not sure what, I, I was probably talking about foreign policy in 20, back in 2014. Mm -hmm. And uh, the party basically had a fit. They, uh, they, they supported her, which was not legal according to the Kentucky Democratic bylaws and according to Kentucky's election laws. They basically rigged it in favor of the establishment candidate. That happened in 2016, 2018 also. Uh, and they rigged it in obvious ways that obviously violated the law. You know, the party is supposed to be neutral during the primary season. They're supposed to treat all the candidates equally and only start supporting the one who wins the nomination. That's yep. been the way it is for a century or more. You know, that's just the norm. They broke that. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was because um, the top powerful leaders in the Democratic Party realized that they could not control me and they could control the, uh, the other unknown Democrat. I, I feel like this is a common story in the last, <laughs> you know, 10, 10 or so years. Yeah. Uh, with, with the DNC is this, um, this kind of behavior. I feel like we've seen it on a national stage and yes, I mean, we've seen it on a, on a local stage as well too. And I bet a lot of people have seen it locally. Um, yeah, it's interesting how they, they just sort of pick their person and they, they don't really want, so that's, that's interesting too, that you, um, that you won as a Democrat, uh, yeah, this finally sort of this year, corrupt, uh, this last week. Party. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, are you gaining notoriety because you've like, yeah, you've like run so many times that like now finally you, you're kind of building momentum on on each time well, you've you've run. I think that uh, just name recognition. Yeah. Uh, helped me get over the fifty percent mark this year. I think that was the main factor. Yeah. I'm just, I'm interested because I was just checking around, you know, just, I, I don't know a lot of, I don't know anybody in Kentucky, but I was just checking Twitter. I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, uh, maybe DSA is uh, excited about this. Lexington DSA or. It might be. They're, they're a potential ally. Could happen. Not, okay. All but, right. but not a, not a word from, from them. Well, not know? yet. Yeah. All right, fingers crossed. I'm just, surprised, <laughs> I'm just surprised, you know. I mean, I I know you you want you don't want to close any doors. I'm just surprised that uh, no. you know uh, you're such an anti-imperialist candidate, and you want to abolish the CIA. You want yeah, Medicare well, um, give National DSA a call and tell them what you think. <laughs> well, I don't know if you want their support. I mean, you might actually do better without their support, honestly. <laughs> uh, 
And that, I think that's what's interesting about your campaign is that, you know, you have this path forward ahead of you where, you know, maybe that the mainstream Democrats aren't going to put resources into your campaign, but it sounds like resources aren't really, uh, I mean, you need some resources. I know it, oh, yeah. I heard that you, uh, you loaned yourself like $90,000 to the campaign. Yeah, something like that. Right? Um, and, um, self-finance campaign through loans from myself uh, so far, but you know, since the primary um, contributions have started coming in, you know, twenty-five dollars nice. from California, twenty-five from Western Kentucky, yeah. a whole bunch of those twenty-fives. <laughs> so nice. That's very encouraging. That's that's the most fundraising I've ever. So now, I mean, now that you won. Now. Now that you won the primary, the the Democrat uh, party has to help you out now, right? Or how no, they don't they don't have to do anything. To. They're, They're supposed, supposed to. to. How have they been they treating you? I can't make them. All right. So, <laughs> well, the thing was, you didn't even really. I felt like, from what I've seen about what you've said, you were you have been attacking the Republican. You have been even really been attacking the other Democrats. I don't see that you've ever done ads or anything like that so oh yeah. Um, yeah i do i do some ads oh you do on a radio uh, on the radio okay. I, I don't think i've done a tv ad ever yeah maybe, i was looking on social that, media that i aired like three times i don't know but but yeah. yeah i like radio i like billboards yeah your billboard is awesome i i love this like ab abolish the cia is like yeah. your like main point and that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, has anybody ever run that kind of no, line before? No, I'm sure that's unique so yeah. far. I mean, maybe it'll catch on. Yeah. Other states. Well, usually it's usually people run as uh I am a CIA agent and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am running to represent. I know the CIA. I know what's I know what's really going on. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I know I know your income last year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can afford it <laughs> yeah no we definitely had some uh cia candidates up here in new york running on the yeah. democrat ticket probably a republican ticket too oh yeah but so the democrats. world socialist well website started using the term um cia democrats a few yeah. years ago yeah. And that, that's what they're talking. They're talking about military veterans, military yeah. intelligence, and uh, CIA Democrats. Uh, and they're um, the Democrats, I guess, in 20, started really 2018, maybe, yeah. maybe 2016, a little bit. 2018 with Amy McGrath here, who moved into Kentucky. Right. And had unbelievable amount of backing. She was not CIA <clears throat> as such, as far as I know, but she was. Uh, she was a former a military veteran. Pilot. Yeah, yeah, flew flew in a plane and was in Iraq and Afghanistan and so on. That was the main point of her whole campaign. I I yeah. flew in in these countries, keeping you safe from terrorists. Well, she lost in 2018, and then she ran for Senate in 2020, right. right? Against, against Mitch McConnell. And against lost Moscow, again. Mitch. <laughs> raised even more money yeah i think she raised more money than mcconnell did yeah and but, didn't she she beat charles booker in the primary and now he's he just won his primary in 2022 that's right, right. she yeah. beat him in 2020 that's right yeah 
pretty close. He, he did an amazingly good job at, uh, at getting votes without spending nearly as much as she did. Now she went, uh, I don't think she's gonna run anymore. She, she formed a pack to support certain kinds of Democrats. Well, that's that's always a good living. If you can, if you're in the place in your life where you can start a pack, you know, yeah, you're right. pretty set. Just sit it, just sit there and let the the checks roll in. Um. So yeah. So I, I'm curious too about uh. You know, since you had since you had the victory and everyone's wondering what happened in Kentucky, um, could you share like what the you know, what you and the people around you, you know what what you've been doing to get, get the support of the people. I, I know you have the billboard and the radio ads, but right. uh, in terms of getting out there, you know, I, I'm not sure how large the district is. You know, Lexington's probably a pretty big city. Yeah, um, yeah about 300,000. Yeah, so, okay, so it's all pretty much in Lexington then, right? No, no, there's at least an equal number, about equal number of people in the 16 other counties in the sixth district. Um, you have 16 counties? They're tiny. There are 120 mm. counties in Kentucky. Oh, wow. Well, mm. More than any other state. Interesting. Yeah. So um, that's a long story. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's about, let me think, um, something like uh, 700,000, one, one sixth of the population. There are six. Okay congressional districts in Kentucky, we have about one sixth of the, of the total. Got it. So yeah, so in terms of getting in touch with those people and- A mailing. Mailing? We did a mailing. Um, let me see if I can find one. Well, it was, uh, yeah, I, I was, the only time I was sweating during the primary campaign was when I wanted to get this mailing out and it was, you know, like a week before the primary. Yeah. And we, we talked to a printer. First printer said, no, our corporate executives uh, are not willing to run this, this mailing because at, on the front, I had my statement, right? Uh, unlike Andy Barr, I will never vote to, send weapons to Nazis. And on the back I had, uh, it, it was a tiny little um, images of mainstream media news reports about the fact that there were Nazi groups in, like the Azov Battalion in Ukraine, yeah. uh, you know, dating back to 2014, the first news articles, there was one, you know, one from 2015, 16. I had all these on the back and I said, uh, Andy Barr cannot deny that he knew about this for the last eight years. They said, uh, they said, sorry, Jeff, this is too based. We can't it's print got, this. It's got swastikas <laughs> on it. It has the word Nazi on it. We don't want our printing company associated with huh. that kind of thing. As uh, if you're promoting it and not fighting yeah, it. Yeah, and, and, you know, their, their name, name of the company wasn't anywhere on the car. Somebody would have to do some research to figure out which printer. Anyway, yeah. that happened. Then, then we went to another printer and there were supply chain problems. They couldn't get the postcard paper. So hmm. the last 
minute we went to a third printer they said yeah sure we'll print that nice no, no <laughs> problem and you know they charged a little more and uh we got it all together and uh, it got out you know in time to reach people now i'm not sure whether that flyer uh, lost us more votes or gained us more <laughs> votes but uh i, I it, it certainly increased our visibility yeah this way you sent this out before the primary or yeah well, well then yeah, right, i would hope so right before the primary. well then yeah then it must have been a winner you know it's probably people are probably hungry no, i don't know if i hadn't sent it out i might have won by more <laughs> <laughs> oh now you're just getting greedy jeff i don't know <laughs> no I'm, i don't regret sending it out at all uh, because it's an important issue. I mean, yeah. America, America is not supposed to support Nazism anywhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think people are just hungry for the truth. You know, you go out and you talk to people and they know that the mainstream media is bullshit. Most people know that. And they're, they, they know just, it, but then they forget. Yeah. Yeah. They turn on the TV and they, they see, you know, a scene from uh, Ukraine with a, you know, a, a bombed out building and, you know, that, that evil Putin. Yeah. <laughs> he did this. And, uh, you know, so people know what you're saying. They know that mainstream media deceives them, but then they see that image and they see those refugees uh, huddling in a train station and they forget. Yeah. They I mean, there's so it's much all lies. subliminal. Yeah. I mean, it's there's all so much propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even when you're looking at propaganda and you know it's propaganda, you still have like that subconscious brain that like reacts to things. Exactly and, right. And that's what they, that's what they cue in on. They like, it's like a little bell. It's like a, it's like one of those bells that they or uh you know a beeper that they do have for dogs it's like a high-pitched it's a dog whistle you know yeah. it's like a high-pitched thing that they right. that you can't hear it but it's there and they're like tapping into this like exactly uh, right and they've been the practicing yeah for a hundred years mm -hmm. i think propaganda started you know uh, the way we know it today about you know a little over a hundred years ago yeah yeah, with that's the, with the founding of the public relations industry by Edward Bernays. Edward Bernays, that's right. Yeah, that's a, that's an area of focus for for myself. With uh, I've I've done a video on Edward Bernays, and I don't know if you've heard of this thing called BreadTube. It's like left I've heard wing. Of it. Don't yeah. know anything about it, it. It's like left wing YouTube, and you oh. know they kind of came out as supposedly the socialist uh, wing of YouTube, but hmm. I mean, as time goes on, they're proving to be um very uh lenient towards the cia and of course they, they sort of deny they they yes they're friendly to imperialism they deny um they kind of outright deny that um congress for cultural freedom ever happened okay uh, they, they say that's a they they try to claim that that's a um a right-wing conspiracy theory uh, called cultural marxism they kind of confuse it all together um, yeah yeah, they're so good at that. They they are really good at that. So even if these people aren't paid directly by the CIA, which you know you can accuse people kind of they don't like that accusation. They they think that's that you're going too far with that. But even if they aren't outright paid by the CIA, they're definitely being nudged along or helped or reinforced 
by what I think are intelligence forces that are kind of helping massage <laughs> these messages. Yeah. And I think you know, you're it, right. So much of this tra- traces back to Edward Bernays, who is it? Who was uh, the double nephew of uh, Sigmund Freud, right? Father of yeah. um, psychology, mm-hmm. modern psychology. Yeah, and I, I think you could get away with a lot of things. Uh, you know, if, with your platform, I'm looking at your platform and, you know, some of it is stuff that a lot of Democrats say, um, and that kind of, and it falls into what people would say, oh, those are, you know, the bread tube left-wing politics, but abolish the CIA and- It's so uh, direct, I love yeah, it. Abolish the CIA and don't give, don't give weapons to Nazis. That, yeah. is the, that is the third rail that a lot of people on the left, a lot of people who are democratic socialists, a lot of people who are in the democratic national committee, Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that makes you radioactive to them. Yep. And, well, I think I think what you're yeah. talking about is anti-imperialism. That yeah. I would agree that that's a third rail. Yep, it really is. I mean, Bernie, even Bernie Sanders. I mean, that's and I feel like that's kind of the the thing that a lot of people online who maybe are following you now, uh, maybe they got disappointed by Bernie Sanders over the last mm-hmm. five years. That you know he he said a lot of said a lot of decent economic things, but it turned right. out that- The 1% on of the 1%. Yeah. <laughs> on anti-imperialism, it, it ended up just kind of pushing, pulling people in uh, to this imperialist apparatus. Uh, and, and he ended up being just a, just another Democrat, you know, on the stuff that mattered. So Yeah, we were pretty disappointed with Bernie. Yeah. Yeah, well, I like Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, Tulsi. She's, she's speaking out now very clearly yeah 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 tulsi uh, has put out some good stuff yeah and you know you mentioned the the 40 billion dollars uh that's another one where i feel like a lot of people you know can can disagree about the the russian conflict with ukraine and who's who provoked it was it nato that provoked it or is it a war of aggression and you know obviously we we feel that it was provoked intentionally by NATO and, you know, U.S. encirclement. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I can I can find common ground with people that say, you know, maybe maybe they disagree about the uh, the nature of the conflict. But to say that we should spend we should send 40 billion dollars over in aid uh, so they can buy weapons and put the weapons in the hands of, of neo-Nazis uh, while we have all these horrible problems here you know like baby formula shortages and mm-hmm. ton, tons of homeless people on the streets i mean that's where i can find common ground with people yeah yeah uh, that's why i need to redo the website what's your new what's the oh it'll be the three focus. main issues uh one will be the coming economic depression caused mm. by one vast overspending on wars and weapons for the last 75 years, not a new phenomenon. Two, the entire Republican Party's obsession with making all abortions illegal forever in all 50 states. I think that's a recipe for social upheaval that could approach the uh, level of another civil war here. And three, uh, my slogan, uh, unlike Andy Barr, I will not vote. I'll never vote to send weapons to Nazis. I'm going to kind of rearrange the <laughs> not not 
change everything but rearrange the order and the emphasis so that that third one that that's such a such a well-crafted line i don't know i i think you should lead with that lead with it yeah i might i i haven't totally decided and i still love abolish the cia yeah that'll be in there <laughs> there'll be other issues you know yeah yeah no i think you're you're right though to, to hone in on the economic because that's i mean that's where people's real concern is and that's what's important is mm -hmm. uh you know people oh, are feeling I, I forgot I, I left one out the uh the complete incompetence of the fed the federal reserve mm. for the last 15 years or so yeah um and and uh dennis kucinich and uh john conyers uh, when he was alive in 2011, uh, co-sponsored a bill to federalize the Fed, <laughs> federalize, nationalize the Fed, and turn it into a uh, part of the Treasury Department. And I'm, I'm going to propose that again. Going to call up Dennis Kucinich and uh, get all the details on how to do you know how uh, seems like a really well-written bill you can you yeah. can find it 2011. so let me ask you too what do you think about uh if somebody were asked you about the united states working with russia and china uh you know what are some of your thoughts about that and obviously that's that's another what do they rail. mean working with what what does that mean well you know for, for oh, the operating states, with yeah, for the United States to treat them as partners. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I'm all for what, it. What do you it's think a, about it, that? It's the only sane thing to do because we certainly can't beat them. There's right. no way. We can't beat them economically. We can't beat them militarily if, if the conflict is anywhere near their borders. I mean, so part of the reason Russia is winning so overwhelmingly in Ukraine right now is it's right next to Russia. And it's it's across the Atlantic for us, and the, the logistical problems are not solvable. So yeah. uh, if a conflict is close to Russia or China, they're going to win. And it's a big country. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts about uh, the Belt and Road Initiative or anything? It's great. Uh, that China's doing. It is a positive vision for economic development for all of Asia. Uh, Europe, if they will agree to connect to it, and uh, then by you know uh, Africa, and I think there's a, there's some Chinese economic development programs in Latin America right now. Yeah, I, I know there are. Yep. So it, it's a tremendous positive vision that people have been talking about economic development in countries all over the world for you know for decades and decades and china has come up with a vision that can uh, be a win-win for everybody yeah win-win cooperation mm -hmm. that's what i'm talking about and economic yeah. growth you know right. i see this narrative uh forming here in the imperial core that is sort of the anti-china message mm -hmm. of anti-china growth which is you know in the u.s where we're all about degrowth now. They're they're really in. Have you seen anything about degrowth? Do you have any feelings on on that? Well, uh, 
I'm not real familiar with the term. I watched part of this of your video on energy, mm-hmm. uh, and I, it was very interesting. I didn't, I haven't gotten through it yet, but um, well, you yeah, have an, you have an to, energy I background, used to right? Be, yeah. that, pardon me. You have an energy background, right? You yes. Have, yeah. So uh, I was at MIT uh, from '74 to '77 about the time when the limits to growth came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was a big uh, Schumacher fan. I, I was, <laughs> I was oh, uh, we got to end the podcast. <laughs> convinced by all that, you know, a small is beautiful and all that. Uh-huh. I, I found that very appealing um, back then. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and there's still a lot of things about it that that are usable today, such as the emphasis on improving energy efficiency. Nobody benefits through waste. Sure. Um, So degrowth, yeah, I mean, what's going on is uh, China, Asia, Eurasia are starting a rapid growth spurt. And, Western Europe is po- poised for some involuntary degrowth. Yeah. And the United States and Canada are, are about to get hit with degrowth that nobody wanted. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. of mismanagement, because of, you know, basically imperialism. Yeah. Uh, the, the West's attitude it, toward China is well, um, we know we can't keep up with your economic growth. We can't beat you in terms of uh, economic performance. So we're just going to try to uh, cut you down to size and slow your growth and and mess you up. Yeah. The empire of chaos. If we can't beat you uh, at your own game, I'm not. I, I'm not going to call it capitalism. Uh, it's uh, socialism with the Chinese characteristics, is what China That's calls right. it. Um, I think you're exactly we can't, right. We can't beat you at that game. Uh, we're just going to ruin you, and yeah. it, it, it it's not going to work. They uh, they have already reached the point where where we can't sanction them into uh, economic collapse impossible yeah no you're a hundred percent right and i swear jeff it is like so refreshing to hear someone talk so logically about all this who's like thank you running for office it's like try to be clear (laughs) amazing it's it's exciting um i'm curious how you came to these conclusions because it it seems like most people who at least come to these conclusions don't run for office. Um, mm-hmm. They just kind of, I think if, if it almost feels like it's just little pockets of the internet and mm-hmm. little groups that maybe feel this way, but maybe, yeah. maybe actually you're, you speak for what most people think and you're kind of stepping out in a really brave way. So like where, where, where did you like sort of gain all this, you know, information and, and, and build your analysis about, about the world? Well, my last year of high school, I read a couple of Noam Chomsky's books on Vietnam, the war, 
I've never been able to understand his linguistics books, <laughs> any of them, but uh, yeah. So I wanted to go to MIT. I came, I came up through a great public school system in Massachusetts and uh, got in. And uh, so in 1976, I took a course with him on US foreign policy since World War II. And that was amazing. And I kept reading his books on, policy, on politics from then up till now. Uh, I, I haven't been able to read all of them, but you know, a pretty good fraction. And so, yeah, uh, his dissection. So, so a typical Noam Chomsky book is okay. Here are these terrible things that the U.S. is doing in, you know, Central America or Vietnam or Iraq, you know. And the other half of the book is here is how the mainstream media is. Um, distorting it and lying to you and propagandizing to cover up all these terrible things that the empire is doing. Mm. Uh, I think it's a wonderful way to write a book, you know, it, uh, yeah. about half of the attention on, on the events and the massacres and the war crimes and the other half on how the media treats it. Yeah. I, I got to agree with you there. Um, you know, his, um, I didn't read the book, but I watched his movie manufacturing consent and yes. that, that really unlocked a lot of things for me as far as like understanding how the news works. Um, you know, Ch Chomsky is a, is an anarchist, so I don't totally agree with him on everything, but he, I think he definitely has contributed a lot of really good tools that help people sort of crack through yes um, and understand how propaganda works and how to interpret the media and that's super valuable he's, he's made tremendous contributions in helping people cut through the bullshit yeah you know jeff i'm curious uh speaking of chomsky it just make it made me think about trump and the democratic obsession with uh with demonizing trump and making it sound like he is you know the satanic boogeyman that caused all bad things and is you know in bed with yeah. vladimir putin yeah um, even now my newspapers <laughs> uh you know i get i get uh, the lexington herald leader they're still running articles about yeah. uh how trump candidates are doing well or one of them right. lost or you know he's still the focus of this he was a, you know he was a gift <laughs> to the establishment because he was he's like their their boogeyman yeah well i'm curious so yeah jeff it, it sounds like uh you're hinting at your feelings about it but i mean what do you think about uh you know contrasting yourself with kind of a, a democrat today who is still talking about trump like he's in office Mm -hmm. uh, versus your perspective on that stuff and you know how, how you talk about it if at all or how you think about oh. it if at all well i say you know every uh you know following a, an article by noam chomsky uh, written some time ago but it, it remained true uh every u.s president since fdr died in 1945 has been a war criminal has been uh, an aggressor, 
you know, and that aggression is the worst war crime it's possible to commit for any country or leader. Yep. Every one of them, all the way through Obama, Trump, Joe Biden, every one of them has been an aggressor and a war criminal. And if the Nuremberg trials were held, uh, every one of those presidents would have been hanged. So Trump is, I think, no different than any of the others. Yeah. I feel, I mean, what do you think about some people would say that he was uh, a little a little less aggressive or a little less harmful on the uh, Equal. imperialist front? The same as all yeah. the rest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of stuff going on that continued from Obama that, uh, you know, people people thought that he started doing things, but they were just continuations of the same policy. Yeah, I think with Trump, um, he would say, oh, yeah, we're going to pull all of our troops out of Syria. Let the Russians fight ISIS. Right. He said that. Uh, but he never got it done. One, one reason was that the military industrial complex of Pentagon just didn't didn't follow his orders. Mm. <laughs> you know, they just undermined his. And the other reason is he would spend about five minutes a week thinking about withdrawing our troops from Syria. And that's a limited attention span. He was unable to get anything done. He's too busy. It sounded good. (laughs) He's too busy with all kinds of other uh, issues. And a lot of them revolved around his personal self-image. So Trump said, said a few good things, but he lacked the attention span to implement any of it. Right. Now, uh, you mentioned the military industrial complex kind of defying his orders. And uh, I mean, that, that to me is, is uh, my, people might say it's a conspiracy theory, but that kind of implies a kind of a deep state of, of people that, and mm-hmm you know, interests that are really running the show and that yes. there's kind of a show going on on top uh, where parties, you know, and politicians are fighting each other, but there's people really running the show and, you know, making money and keeping, Definitely. keeping the horrible like, business al- alive. So, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? It's, it's undeniable. So I guess other people call it the deep state. Uh Vladimir Putin calls it the bureaucracy, yeah. and it, it's it's a fact. Uh, presidents very rarely run things. Yeah, they have it run by the uh, the bureaucracy underneath yeah. the complex. I call it the military-industrial intelligence and i always do the the scare quotes with my fingers (laughs) around the the word intelligence media complex yeah military industrial intelligence media yep yeah the the media is even i mean has even more more power than uh you know the military almost i mean well it's all one system it is, yeah. I mean, at least with the military, it's a thing you can kind of like see with your eyes, and you're like, okay, that's a missile or a troop or whatever. Yeah, with, did, did we win in that war or not? Yeah, that, with, that, it's kind of obvious. With the intelligence <laughs> stuff, it it fucks with like your own your own thoughts, your own head, 
And that's like the real, you know, the real terrorism, I think, is like getting people to not trust their own thoughts, their own intuitions. Yes. That's like, you know, controlling. That's it's, how they control it's, the population. It's manipulative. It's evil. When it it's is. used for evil purposes, such as imperialism, yeah. then, then the whole complex is an evil thing. Yeah. Yeah, we, we got to get our country back, right? Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. the people. It's our country too. And uh, I think a lot of people forget that and they think that um, it is just the deep state. There's a lot of young people, I think, who have this mm -hmm. attitude of like, you know, America is the worst place in the world because of, you know, imperialism and all this and, you know, oppressing all kinds of uh, different groups of people, minorities, racialized minorities, um, sexual and gender minorities. Um, but so they, they don't have sort of this uh, foundation of like, well, it, it used to be our country uh, and mm -hmm. it still is. And, and we just need to take it back. And that's going to be fucking hard. It but is. It's worth it. Right. You know, like, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I sometimes frame it this way, that we, we have an empire, the world's only worldwide military empire of bases and troops everywhere. And we have a republic, a constitutional republic. And it's impossible for both of them to survive. Yeah. One of them has to go. Yes. And so my, my basic orientation, everything I'm trying to do has to do with letting the empire go and saving and improving our constitutional republic yeah and get it back hell yeah that's a really good way to think about it is like there are two americas right there's like you just said there's there's two versions and we should look to keep our version of it that that works for us yeah well not, they both yeah. need money and, yeah. and there's not enough money to do it to do both we can't do it yep. you know i i like too that you have your the american flag right in your uh your campaign video uh do you have any thoughts about that how fox is alluding to that people on the left uh they have this kind of self-hating thing where they they hate the flag and they hate any any idea of uh patriotism or loving your country um, you know, what yeah. are your, what are your thoughts on that kind of thing and why well, you chose to age, have the flag? Um, during the ending tail end of the Vietnam war. And, uh, I understood that protesters have the right to burn the American flag, you know, constitutional mm -hmm. freedom of speech, first amendment, but, uh, I never did it and I never thought it was a good idea because it simply, it gets at the unconscious at that deep level of the majority yeah. of the American people. And, you know, oh, they're burning the flag. They must be horrible. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really bad move. So uh, I consider myself an American patriot. I can, I'm oh, devoted yeah. to the constitution including the bill of rights all, uh, you know i'm a, i'm a second amendment democrat which is pretty rare yeah uh, but you know i say i'm for the second amendment and all the others yeah 
that's good. That's good. So I have no, you know, I like to have a flag on my mailing. We agree. We're uh, we're we're fans of uh, the, this country. We love our country, and uh, mm -hmm. we we want what's best for it. I love my country. I, I hate the government. That's, That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And Tea Party. I've already I've always got along much better with Tea Party Republicans and Libertarians <laughs> than I have with the Mitch McConnell Republicans. Yeah, right. absolutely. And the Andy Barr. Andy Barr, I think, wants to be the next Mitch McConnell. <laughs> if that happens, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> What about, uh, do you have any thoughts about Rand Paul? He's an interesting person, as President Barack Obama said one time. They had a meeting and, uh, you know, coming out of the meeting, they, oh, what did you, oh, he's an interesting person. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he is. Uh, he, he's sometimes anti-war, but uh, not often enough. Yeah. For example, on this $40 billion vote, he was the only senator who uh, tried to slow it down. Right. All the rest were like, yay, yes, yes, all 99 mm. of them, Republicans and Democrats. So he, he succeeded in slowing it down for a few days, but that's, that's too little too late. So yeah. I'm, I'm supporting Charles Booker, the Democrat. I think... Uh, once he learns something about foreign policy, he'll be superb. He'll be mm. an excellent senator and, and great for the people of Kentucky yeah. and Washington. Yeah, it was funny uh, that I happened to be in the car the day that uh, Rand Paul like delayed the $40 billion by a week or something. And yeah. I, I put on NPR for like 10 seconds and they're they're just like apoplectic about it and they're like oh that's that's uh putin paul over there in kentucky you know, he's he's, that's uh, who? he's do, doing the bidding of vladimir putin they called him putin paul yeah oh well see that's a big mistake yeah no he, he was uh no i think i think he was sincere about wanting to have uh oversight over how the money would where it would go and how yeah. you know that's that's a valid point, but it's again too little, too late. Right. And and he he likes to do these kind of um, media stunts, mm. like being the only senator uh, doing a filibuster or or delaying something. It, yep. it, what we need is a large, enthusiastic, growing peace movement mm. in this country. Yeah. It doesn't exist right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his dad, I, I remember being very, very struck by Ron Paul as a young, you know, a young person in 2008, yeah, 2012. Yep. Um, because that was the first, you know, I have to remember after 9-11 for 10 years, every single politician that you saw on TV was a warmonger. And Ron Paul was the first person that I ever saw who had a spot on TV, you know, on the stage with the, the big politicians mm -hmm. where he was talking about anti-imperialism and, not you know shrinking the military not being the world's police and uh that right. really resonated with me even though you know even though i'm a you know marxist or a communist i donated to ron paul when i was like you know 25 or something i sent 25 dollars. there you go um, i was because, gonna guess 10 yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i've you know now i'm on his mailers mailing list forever and i don't know if i 
really read them anymore, but you know, no, I, I, I still like them. Yeah. Yeah. He still has good, you know, good takes, especially on Ukraine stuff. But yeah, Rand, Rand didn't really uh, inherit that from, from his dad. Well, I think, you know, he, I think he made a decision when, uh, when he first got into politics. Uh, I think he concluded that he has to uh, work with Mitch McConnell. I mean, they're both in the same state and uh, he, he needed to establish a different image from McConnell, but that nobody, you know, that's fine. Uh, nobody minds that. I mean, no, but I'm thinking, you know, Republicans don't really mind it when, when Rand uh, filibusters something. Um, yeah. But he had to work with him in order to get anywhere, in order to stay in office and all that. Uh, I think it was a decision. Uh, to diverge from the path of Ron Paul, his father. Yeah. All right. So I don't know, Fox, do you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Um, We're no. at an hour now. Yeah, no, I think we, we covered quite a bit. Was there anything, uh, Jeff, that you wanted to talk about? They, like we didn't ask about or, or were there any topics you kind well, of want to? I'm not sure whether you know, but... Um, Democrat Andy Bashir um, announced the day after the primary that he was not going to support my campaign for Congress. Uh, and what a and jerk. then <laughs> that's a pretty good word. <laughs> uh, and and uh, another, he was in Louisville um, supporting his friend uh, Morgan McGarvey, another Democrat who had just won the Democratic primary for the third congressional district, replacing John Yarmouth, who retired. Uh, so a reporter asked him, uh, are, uh, are, is either of you going to support Jeff Young? And Andy Bashir said, no. Uh, I, I have the audio, <laughs> the tape of, of this brief exchange. And uh, and Morgan McGarvey said, uh, no. And so what the governor did was split the Kentucky Democratic Party. I have no idea whether it's a 50-50 split right down the middle, but he, the day after the primary, he, he, he just went off and split the party. And uh, it was for personal animosity toward me we've, we've got a long history hmm. i ran against him for governor uh in 2019 along with two other candidates and uh yeah i, I think he just let his emotions cloud his judgment over what would be best for the democratic party and what would be best for kentucky hmm. Man, that's, so I have uh, I'm I'm running against two sore losers right now, <laughs> Andy Barr and Andy Bashir. Yeah, is he going to continue on on like a, an independent ticket or something? Although Andy Bashir is the one that uh, is the governor of Kentucky. Oh, okay, so he's he's kind of like the boss he's, of Kentucky Democratic politics. That's correct. We he's, the, he's the, the big ADP. I need to. I'm going to. Party gonna, has a chair. Um, 
but it's uh, Andy Bashir's former Steve, chief of staff, real nice guy. Uh, I like him, but he hasn't returned my call. Huh. I'm going to get really <laughs> into Kentucky politics now, just, just so I can follow Jeff's yeah. uh, his campaign. You'll find, you'll find it very interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, real interesting. I, it's awesome that you that you won the primary. Like it, it, it gives us such a nice little sliver of hope for regular people who want, yeah. you know, regular sane people who want their country back. You know. All right. So uh, I, I'm going to say uh, I uh, I may not win in November, uh, but I will never betray that hope that you're talking about. I'm, I'm not somebody who uh, alters my message because of what the media say, what's popular, what, you know, or even what my friends say. A lot of my friends, some of my oldest friends from uh, junior high in Massachusetts are telling me, oh, you can't say that. that uh, you can't say Russia was justified in, a, in launching its special military operation. Um, that's just wrong. You're, you're supporting a dictator. I say, well, no, he's not a dictator. I, you know, I try to reason with them, yeah. but, but they, they, they're not going to change my mind. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, and I got to give, I got to hand it to you, Jeff, that, that takes a lot of courage um, Thank you. And you're welcome. And and uh, it's it's excellent to see you know patriots, American patriots like yourself stepping forward, and being brave, and you know, holding on to the truth and not you know letting having a backbone. You know, nobody has a backbone these days. So mm -hmm. really appreciate yeah. that. And 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 I I think even if you don't win, you know, your race, the just getting out there and showing that somebody can do it and say that, say the truth and stand mm -hmm. up to these people, like yeah. will inspire more people to do the same. And that's what we need is more, more Jeffs. We need more Jeff Youngs <laughs> to step forward and run for office um, and, and just start a wave of, of, of uh, what we need is real change, you know, uh, not, yeah. not the Obama change. But, you know, that was his right. like campaign slogan. But, <laughs> you know, like real, we, we really do need to um, figure this shit out because <laughs> the right. ruling class is just going to let let things just get worse and worse here. That's right. And they can always move. They can yeah. move to yep. New Zealand or whatever and, and let the United States rot. True. True. Yeah. You know what I uh, noticed the other day, I was reading an article about um, billionaires investing in China. It was about the NBA, you know, the basketball league, but it applies in general. Just that the billionaires are have no problem investing and collaborating with uh, Russia and China, and they get mm -hmm. to benefit. They get they get to profit massively from it. You know, it's a great partnership for them. And yes. we need our government to do the same thing for our benefit. Uh, if right. we could, if we could stop. Uh, fighting and you know being in this cold, this second cold war with Russia and China, mm -hmm. uh, we could unlock so much potential for you know both our country and their countries and the rest right. of the world. Yeah. yeah and the rest of the right. world. Right. So yeah, if uh, so, do Russia, that. China, India. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Iran, the United States, Europe were all to get together and uh, we could accomplish amazing things. Could you imagine such a world? That would be amazing. I can imagine it. But what I'm seeing though is a bitter divorce where uh, United States, Canada, Western Europe, Japan, Australia are isolated and yep. the rest of the world is cooperating and thriving and we're, we're sitting there nursing our hatred yep. and, and living in poverty. That, that's yep. what I think is a, a pretty likely future. And uh, I, I'm trying to prevent that and, and thank you cooperate you know worldwide with with everybody I, I, there's no reason we shouldn't be allied with russia against yeah. nazis Absolutely. wherever they are yeah i know right it, it makes so much sense when you say it like plainly like that <laughs> right it's like what we're on we're picking the wrong side here i think <laughs> right <laughs> You've been listening to the Space Commune podcast. I'm Fox and my co-host is Alex. And today we've been talking to Jeff Young, who's running for Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Congress, congressional seat number six, right? Six. Six. So if you are in Kentucky in con congressional district number six, vote for Jeff. He's your man. He is the man. Send can you can you can get uh, donations from wherever, right? So we can plug your uh... yeah. You have to be a U.S. citizen, right? <laughs> but so anyone... you can be living. You know, you can be living in Nicaragua and and donate if you're a U.S. citizen. So if you're in Nicaragua right now and you're you know, <laughs> visiting from the U.S., make sure to log on to young for the number four ky.com and he's got a link to his donations. Send him a little money um, and let him be your inspiration. If you feel the same way as Jeff, you know, think about running yourself. We need more people like Jeff speaking the truth. Yeah. Um, and make abolish the CAA your your leading line. <laughs> I want a bumper. Yeah. I want a bumper stickers as abolish the CAA. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or, well, or I, haven't, I haven't made a final decision. So we need, yeah. we need some merch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to prom promote or yeah. plug or while you're what, when's the election day? November 8th, nationwide. Okay. Go out November 8th. <laughs> thanks. And thanks for agreeing to come on. And I, I hope a lot of people contact you because you know it's it's great to talk to you. So likewise. Hope, Take hope care. People uh, do it. Excellent. Vote for peace, not war. Choose life, not death. Vote for Jeff Young in the Democratic primary on May 17th. I'm the only candidate who can beat Andy Barr. Check out my website at youngforkentucky.com. That's Y-O-U-N-G, the number four, K-Y, dot com. My name is Jeff Young and I approve this message.